0: I'm Chris H., and this is Pops Pint, podcasting all things fatherhood over a beer. Pops Pint? Welcome to Pops Point episode 18. We are in March. I have my brother-in-law, Ken, with me, father of Claire and Will. Claire is two and a half, Will is one, and the topic of our conversation is working from home how are you ken
1: i'm doing great i know you said before we went on air that you don't get a lot of uh subscriptions rates reviews you don't promote the podcast a lot so happy to do that for everybody listening chris would really appreciate it if you left a five-star review makes a big difference in terms of his day-to-day life and everything so subscribe like rate review re-rate re-review tell your friends to do the same thing let's keep let's keep pops pints rolling let's get into the top 200 yeah so clearly, you do this, Ken. I do. You, you're a little bit of a podcaster, my friend. I, I didn't used to be. I didn't used to be. Uh, but I am. I have become that. That's what I've
0: ch- I've chosen to become, which is part of the topic. I think of the show that we're doing. I mean, and I also I, we're we're playing SEO right now. We're we're trying to hit the topic of um, really the month, or I guess you can say the last quarter. COVID nineteen. Yep. Uh, that's scary. That's uh. Coronavirus. Yep. And uh, what are you drinking today, Kat? I, I chose to go with the Corona Premier. It seems like the most appropriate beer given our current
1: pandemic crisis and everything. Just seems a very topical. You know, we're gonna be cracking coronavirus jokes during the show probably and everything because it's such a not serious deal. And I know, uh, I know your wife kind of feels the same way. I know she's definitely not freaked out about it whatsoever, right?
0: Oh no, we are absolutely <laughs> freaked. And yep. uh, but I'll still cheers that. Okay, cheers, cheers buddy. Yeah, absolutely. Thank here's, you for joining. Here's us. to working from home and podcasting from home, right? <laughs> Right now, all the kids, six children are rumbling upstairs. Yep, I'm downstairs just sipping a Corona Premiere and not paying
1: attention to them whatsoever. (laughs) Taping a podcast, it's great. That's why we need your likes, rates, and reviews. We need your subscriptions. Get it up, five stars, five stars. We need to be away from the six kids more often.
0: (laughs) So how would you rate your COVID-19 beer? Uh, It's pretty excellent. uh, Corona Premiere
1: looks like... uh, only 90, I'm, gonna, I'm trying to figure out why we're, we're going with Premiere as the title for this. I think it's nutritional based, which is kind of interesting because things that are generally good for you shouldn't be called Premiere, they don't taste very good, but I'm kind of enjoying a uh, smooth and perfectly balanced is how it's marketed, and I'm kind of getting some vibes of that right now.
0: There you go, so it's five stars.
1: Oh, yeah, five, one, five out of five. This all entire right. experience has been five out of five right now.
0: All right, that's perfect. I, I got a little uh, Ballast Point Grapefruit Sculpin IPA. I can't do the IPA thing. I'm just – I've never
1: – I know there's, like, two classes of people that drink beer. There's the, the people who are all in on the, you know, go-to-breweries, IPAs, like, hoppy beers, that kind of subculture, and I've never – that's just never been for me. I want like the the weakest, tamest, less <laughs> I would, like just like I'll just chug Budweiser, and everybody else can have their kind of sculpin IPAs. That's kind of that's where I'm at with the. With but the you culture.
0: like the liqueur as well.
1: I do. I mean, I dabble in all kinds of random stuff. We got gentleman Jack at home. We got look who I have, Bailey's with the coffee every morning. I'm not. I'm definitely not anti-alcohol. I think I'm just kind of anti the IPA culture.
0: I, I no, I totally get it. Some of the IPAs too much bite, too much punch. Um, with the grapefruit and I lo- I'm starting to like more of the fruity stuff. Uh, I go more with the hazies, um, the New England's, I, I, I prefer a Palau, I think. What is a to... hazy? Out of curiosity, what is a so, hazy? So, I mean, really when you pour it, you're not going to be able to look through the glass at all. Oh, okay. It's going to be murky. So it's, a, it's an opacity thing? Yeah, it's a fertile? little cloudy and okay. they call it a New England Palau oh. as far as the, the region as far as. The backstory to that, I couldn't tell you. Okay. So we'll just figure that out. Okay, maybe time. that's next episode. We'll do Yeah, a, we'll absolutely. Do pop, like the absolutely. Okay. You know who would know it? Our other brother in law, sure. Matt, right. who has just adamantly denied doing a pop Fight <laughs> episode. Right. I think we'll, we'll get him scheduled for the next
1: episode. We'll get to the bottom of all these beer nicknames and stuff. Just not not the uh, the nomenclature. I'm just not up on it.
0: So, Ken, gonna bring it back to the top of the sure. subject. Of course. Um, working from home. Oh, yeah. Why in the hell are you doing it? Um, I think rather than looking at it that way, it's sort of why isn't, why isn't everyone doing it, right? <laughs> yes. you know, I, think, I mean,
1: just you doing this podcast, you having the side hustle. I think everyone's side hustle is usually the favorite part of their lives. And I think if you gave them all the choice, uh, you could switch your side hustle and your main hustle. What would you do? And they would say, you know, almost 10 times out of 10, probably I would love to do my side thing as my main thing. And I had a bunch of side things going on while I had a main thing. worked in television for... Forever, for more than a decade at ESPN. I guess that's not forever. People have worked in jobs for a lot longer. But uh, 11 years at ESPN, started having some side uh, hustles.
0: Maybe 15
1: years if you add all the hours up. Right. Oh, yeah. No kidding. Yeah, exactly. Six, you know, basically five days a week, six days a week, 80, 90, 100 hours at times uh, just in production. And that's, that's, you know, normal for people that work in that field. And I had all these side hustles going on. I was super interested in sports betting and gambling and... I'm, you know, not mathematically inclined necessarily. I was more of a verbal person growing up, but got just really into the math and statistics side of of betting and markets and all those kinds of things. And, you know, betting in a lot of ways is, you know, no different than the stock market or uh, the other things people like to play around in. Had all these side hustles going, and I was like, you know, I really, really think I could make my side hustle my main thing, and there's a ton of risk involved. For a lot of people, I think... You have security versus risk is always, you know, for people who are listening to this right now, some of you might have made your side hustle your main thing and you're very happy about that. Some of you might have tried and failed and there's nothing wrong with that either. And then some people might be really reluctant to turn their side hustle into their main hustle. And I think, you know, if you're on that fence, it's always a security risk conversation, right? So, okay, I have the security of I'm at a big company. I got a stable career. I got benefits. I've got health insurance. I've got a 401k with a match. I've got all these things that are you know, such good attributes that we look for in work, but do I like the job that I have? And so I had all those things, you know, the first five or six things that I mentioned, but I was actually pretty miserable. And so I made this trade-off where I traded security for risk. I traded all those things that I talked about in order to try to be happy with the job
0: that I have. And uh, so far, it's gone pretty well. How long was this conversation going on as far as the trade-off, the analysis? Because Clearly, you've given it a lot of thought. Sure, absolutely, and uh, clearly, Heather's a major part of that decision as well. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, uh, Heather, my wife. For, for people that are listening, maybe uh, you know don't know that most of the people listening
1: probably do. She, uh, <laughs> no, we, maybe we have a big audience. We probably reach you know far reaching places we didn't even know we reached. We got like fifty an episode. Okay, right? <laughs> absolutely, fifty's hey, not bad, man. I've, I've done ventures where we've had less. Trust me. Um, <laughs> She, uh, again, it's a, it's a, the internal conversation was happening for years, you know, and you, you have those talks with yourself before you met Heather, uh, around the time I met Heather. Okay. So I met her right before the month before my 30th birthday. I'm 35 right now. Right. Um. So, you know, maybe four or five years ago, as I kind of got into the betting space, saw what was going on, saw it was becoming a lot more popular, got just very fascinated in the mathematics and the numbers behind it and everything. And I've watched games you know whether it's for production purposes or when i was growing up i've always watched games that's always been like my number one hobby passion whatever is just consuming games i don't really care about shows or talking heads or podcasts or even books about sports i don't read a lot of sports books i read books about other stuff but i don't read a lot of sports books i just care about the actual game and you know consuming that telling stories about that so production was you know a natural fit television wise but then betting at the same time you're consuming games from a completely different angle right you're consuming them from okay you know based on what i've seen based on what i've heard read etc in the games you know who do i think would win and by how much and can i kind of make a projection uh that you know that beats
0: the market that was kind of what i was trying to do and so when you this was kind of right around when you met heather yep so clearly you guys, starting a relationship, you start opening up about who you are I do. and what you want to do. She stayed. Know. How did she stay, by the way? I'm basically saying, I'm going to leave a stable career. Right, and exactly. I, think he... <laughs> I didn't. I don't. I I think
1: the first time I broached t- the subject of, hey, this is not, it wasn't even a side hustle at that point. I made no money from it. Uh, I was probably like a net losing gambler, even when we met. I really, I was probably down lifetime, maybe break even at that point. And it's not the type of thing. I mean, we think about, you know, even online dating culture, Heather and I met on Match, we think about, and now that's, you know, Tinder and apps, and within two messages, you could be having a drink with somebody, you know, that you're, yeah. you're matched up with or whatever. Just think about how long the conversation would have to go, how many topics, how many dates you'd have to go through before you would say something like, yeah, so by the way, I'm like a really big gambler, like really heavy gambler, <laughs> and just think about think about what date that would have to be and how comfortable you'd have to be with the person that they won't just immediately go like, check please, and just take off outside the restaurant or whatever, and... Uh, for us it was it was pretty early on and I kind of tried to make it a casual thing at first cuz it was it wasn't I wasn't making money from it yet content writing anything even the betting aspect itself and on our first date uh we for, for whatever reason we chose to meet at a a Buffalo Wild Wings in Danbury that was where we had our first date and it was because it was halfway between Uh, myself and her and she was working as a waitress at the time and it was pretty close to where she was waitressing so just again it was more about distance and everything than that we loved buffalo wild wings or something we did not we didn't really love buffalo wild wings shameless plug right exactly so we had so we had some pints there we had uh she had like a sierra nevada and i had a sam summer i think was the were the beers and uh during the course of the conversation I kind of like mentioned that there was a game going on that night. And again, games, I'm just consuming them all the time, right? And I actually had a bet in play on this one. And I kind of very casually tried to fold into the conversation that I had a bet on. It was Kings-Blackhawks Game 7, Western Conference Finals. Remember it like it was yesterday. Uh, the Kings were attempting to come back from down 3-1 in the series. They did. That was Game 7 that night. They completed the comeback to go to the Stanley Cup Finals, which they then won. And I won a lot of money because when they were down 3-1, i had bet them to win the series. I was like, they can do this. They can win three games in a row. I'd done some analysis. And I'm kind of trying to like fold that into the conversation, but not to seem like a total degenerate just like uh, oh it's fun it's this kind of, you know whatever I got this bet going on as it's just kind of this extra topic of conversation that's going to make me seem different or more charming or whatever it is and and she was kind of in on it it was kind of like oh that's fun like whatever and I didn't really like push it beyond that right so then you know much 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 later so right away she knew that that was at least a part of my life in some in some yeah. form or fashion and then much 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 later it was like hey like I kind of want this to be like a part of my life like forever, basically. Like I think this is gonna be something I'm gonna be passionate about until I'm not passionate about it anymore. And those conversations are a lot heavier because at first it was kinda of like, well, like, as long as you don't just go become like a professional gambler, like we're yeah, gonna be good. Yeah. And it was always it's always half joking. I mean, you know, Heather too, it's not it's never gonna be that serious of a conversation, but um, you know, we're both very low key and low drama and all that stuff, but there's always like a kernel of truth in any of those kind like, yeah, ha ha ha, as long as you don't become a professional gambler, which was really like, please, please, please don't do this, <laughs> like, like in a much more serious tone. So we were just, we would talk about it forever and ever. And then the key was, was there a way for me to generate revenue and an mm-hmm. income that wasn't directly tied to winning bets? Like the life of, a. And I mean, the people listening to this you know, may not sort of be loosely aware of the life of a professional gambler. It's a rough life. Like it's not a life I would wish on anybody having talked to a lot of people that live in it and that culture and everything. It's a lot of instability and insecurity about where money's going to come from. And it's, you know, one month you could be, you know, up six figures and the next month you could be down six figures and you have to be able to deal with each of those. You know, I think people think about the lows, but they don't think about, yeah, when you're up six figures, you got to be saving money and you have to be not, over betting and not thinking that you know everything the process has to stay the same it's sort of like the the dicaprio scene in the departed where he's like my hand is always steady no matter what in every situation right and and, and with a gambler it's the same thing up a million down a million you have to be able to make the smartest decision possible that's not a skill set that you know even one percent of the population probably possesses that's why there are so few successful professional gamblers but just very few of them have families very few of them are married like any of those kinds of things attachment would be impossible almost in that kind of a situation like hey honey i know we got to pay the mortgage kids private schools due. we got to put money away for retirement but i got 50 grand on the blackhawks here and they are really getting smoked so like, that's just not a conversation that th- that's happens. not
0: how you started the
1: conversation that is that not happened. i i tried to kind of like i tried to kind of <laughs> massage it and just be like yeah like i don't know how i want this to be i started writing a little bit uh when i was like 32 33 for a couple gambling websites just for like, bets that i was making what's called the futures market which is just who's going to win the championship that year in a specific sport and i'd had a lot of success betting on the winners of different sports leagues for pretty big prices sites were kind of interested in my analysis i was like an okay writer that's what i went to school for and you know was just really interested in breaking in so i was getting paid like, you have a book i, I have a i've written a, a college football guide i have another book that's coming out in eight days a, an ncaa tournament betting guide which should be a lot of fun and where and, uh, would you find that book so that's on my patreon page so i got i got Irons in the fire everywhere, revenue streams all over the place. And that's like the development of this, right? Heather and I have this conversation. I'm thinking about doing this. Fast forward, you know, three years later or whatever. And, you know, radio show at night, four hours a night. uh, Produce another television show about gambling in the morning using my production background. Patreon, which is just kind of blogging, spreadsheet analysis type stuff. Basically a blog. And then book writing, you know, just writing betting guides for different events or whatever. So ton of, how, ton of iron's in the fire. How do I get your March Madness book? Okay. Uh that's a really good question. You can you can't get it yet, unfortunately, because the bracket's not out yet. When the bracket comes out on selection Sunday, I'm basically trying to immediately turn around. I think there's a huge blind spot in, you know, sort of the market in terms of The bracket comes out and it takes big companies a really long time to produce content about what has just happened. Not like in most other sports or whatever. On Monday morning, I would always fly to, this is how I kind of figured this out. I would always fly to Vegas Monday morning for a week uh, for the NCAA tournament. Great time if you haven't been for that, especially really, really a fun experience. I would get on the plane or I would even like pack my bag the night before. I'd always stay up all night because I used to work until three in the morning. Get off work, go home, pack a bag, print 20 brackets. And I would go on my phone. I'd be like, God, there's got to be podcasts that people have already done. Bracket's been out for nine, ten, eleven hours. Somebody has to have recorded something already. Nothing. Okay, I'm gonna go on like ESPN.com. Is there any analysis available yet? No. Just printable bracket. Really, really generic intro analysis type stuff. Okay, like television shows. You know, there's stuff right afterwards. Knee-jerk initial reaction. But there was no great piece of content until even Tuesday afternoon, you know, two days before the tournament, the play-in game start that night. That was when everything finally started trickling out because the turnaround time, for whatever reason, was just laggy. On this, it it was not immediate. And people are, if you know anybody that's really interested in college basketball or sports or gambling or any of this stuff, brackets, there's just such a craving. There's such an appetite for content. The second the bracket comes out, somebody tell me what to do. Somebody tell me who to advance to the next round, who to bet on in this game. People just want to talk about this stuff, man, and there's no there's no outlet for them to get that from within the first 12 to 18 hours. So my goal is bracket comes out. Uh, I, I write the book as fast as humanly possible using I have as much stuff automated as I as I can. Simulate the tournament, my thoughts, analysis, all that stuff, fold it up and get it out at like six in the morning, Monday morning, basically. Stay up all night, write it, release it, and then get like two hours of sleep, basically. So Monday morning, uh, which is the 16th, I want to say, on my Patreon account. Uh, patreon.com slash Locky Lockerson for people who are, you know, unfamiliar Lockie with me. Lockie Lockerson. Yeah, big time. Exactly. Exactly. A very uh professional sounding name, very mature. And uh, <laughs> and yeah, that'll uh the guide'll be released on there. All you have to do is sign up and everything. It'll be released on there. $18 for the month, spreadsheets, and write-ups on all kinds of sports, all that stuff. But that's the goal. We're gonna I i I've never done it before. This will be a new challenge just like working from home is a new challenge, just like you know, leaving your job to do your side hustles a new challenge. This is this is what I've never done before. This kind of tight turnaround book authorship. It should be kind of interesting.
0: So you figured out how to make money on your own. I did. As far as generating content. Yep. Also, um, doing a lot of analysis in the market. Yep. Using I mean, using algorithms uh, yep. via a, an Excel sheet or whatever device you're using, and creating different models, prediction models, and where you like. Um, scenario A versus scenario B. But on top of that, you also have skin in the game. I do. Which, um, uh, one, shows some cred as far as the people that are actually consuming your content. Right. But two, I mean, you're going to be doing it anyway. Right, and just, exactly. and like uh, Me, I want to watch a game on a Saturday. Sure. Let's look at the 1 o'clock games. Let's see. Let's pick some lines. So uh, Heather... I mean, I can attest to this. Right. I never saw you. Um, so for the first couple of months, the first couple of years, you were dating Heather with Heather. Mm-hmm. Um, so this allowed you to be around so much more. So right. that buy-in from Heather, I'm, I mean, uh, th- that helped make the decision a lot easier. Did you guys have Claire before you pulled the trigger of you working from we home? We did. That was a that was a big catalyst
1: in the decision. So it's. Claire was born September 2017. It's February 2018, right? So she's five months old. That entire winter... So we had Claire. I mean, she was awesome right out of the gate. Like, no... I mean, no issues. She was healthy. Heather, you know, obviously a little touch and go around the delivery and stuff. But was... Honestly, like, we were so happy with how everything was going. And Claire was awesome. She was so great. And you're going to keep her. I would... Yeah, I think she's a keeper. We're not sure yet. We're going to... like the (laughs) warranty expires in, like, 12 months. We're going to figure it out. The... um. The, the, the idea behind that winner which was so wild was I was coming home from work every night three in the morning four in the morning I mean I was getting really worked in a lot of ways ESPN was laying off people uh, responsibilities were being consolidated around only their top performers it was really a sense of like, we got to turn this around, like from upper management, we got to really, the ratings aren't very good, people are cutting the cord, what are we going to do, there's just almost like a panic, and what people do in in panic is they they turn to what's safe, right, which was, you know, all their top performers, let's just work them to death, basically, to try to make content that was really, you know, top-notch, and I was put in that kind of position where every day I was just responsible for really too many things, so I was coming home from uh, at night, 3 3. a.m., 3.34 a.m., I would always go in the bedroom first and change. And Heather would always wake up when I would come in. And every time I would come in, I would say the entire winter. So again, Claire's born, you know, first five months, basically. There's there's five months until I leave the company. Every night for that five months, I basically come in and I just go, I don't know if I can do this anymore. Every time I would come in, I would just be like, I think I'm done. Like, I think I'm pretty close to it. But I was always a little hesitant. It was always like, I'm thinking about it. I don't know. But I'm really, but I mean, once you start thinking about it, it's almost a foregone conclusion, to be honest. And then at the, you know, let's say January, basically, I, I come in one night and I, and I very sternly, I remember this, like I, I'm getting changed. And whatever, she goes, hey, how's work? And you're just kind of half asleep, waking up. And I go, I go, I'm done. I'm done. Like, I've, I've decided that I'm done. And she goes, okay. Like she was, and I was like, her initial response wasn't, what are you going to do? It wasn't have you thought about this? Like she had heard it from me for so long and she knew that I, at that point I was starting to write for money uh, about sports betting. I was starting to approach, kind of get a contact list of other people for some other companies starting to get kind of not like conventional job application interview type stuff, but I was getting into the space a little bit and my Twitter account, which was like the launch of this, which we can talk about too if we want was really like, that was my entry point into this whole niche, which was just creating a Twitter account that talks about gambling, got a lot, thousands of followers And that's how I got job offers and stuff. So I'd started to cultivate that already. I didn't, I wasn't starting from nothing. And anybody who's thinking about, you know, transitioning to their side hustle, obviously you need to have the side hustle first. It needs to be working and profitable for you to think about going. If you're going with no safety net, you're going like, well, I hope I get a job. Let's see how it goes. Like, that's not, that's not going to work. You know, especially if you have bills to pay. We had Claire, obviously, if you're single, maybe you can kind of work some stuff out and, and, and make it work, but. I wasn't in that situation, and I so I come in that night, finally in January. I just go, I'm done. She goes, okay. And then literally the next day, we started putting a plan in place for for me. How am I going to leave? Where am I going to go? What am I going to do? How do we make this happen? And over the course of about three weeks, establish some contacts with like an up and coming. Okay,
0: so you threw some financial. You I threw did some numbers yep. together. Did yep. Um, and then so. How are we going to make this happen? Does that mean just, like, the operations of the household? Sure. Like, how are you guys living together as you're actually going to do this? And, like, is it going to work? Right. And it's the one thing, in retrospect, that I I wish we had done a little bit
1: better job of is... Like personal finance was always something that we, personal finance isn't an issue until you don't make a lot of money. (laughs) Like when you, when you, there's a, you know, Heather and I are both into Dave Ramsey and he has a saying that like you can't out earn your stupidity, right? So when, but when you make a lot of money, the only way I disagree with him is like when you make a lot of money and you're at least moderately well adjusted. Like, you're going to be fine. Now, you might not be saving a lot for retirement. You might not be putting a ton of money away. But, like, you're going to be okay because your income is fine. And when the income goes away or it becomes much smaller, that's when bad habits will really start to, like, come to this. Like, if you're spending too much money on food or gambling, period, or any of that kind of stuff, any superfluous things. Going out to eat. For sure. absolutely. Yeah, like, all those... Again, like, food and drink, I think people would almost be alarmed when you do a budget, how much that accounts yeah. for It's It's really wild, as we're drinking beer, as we say this. Um, <laughs> and uh, and just everything. I mean, like, you know, do I need to be spending $150 for my phone? Do I need to be spending yeah. $100 for yeah. the internet? Like, can I cut everything? So I... Part of the conversation... And we didn't really know a lot about this at the time about personal finance. So we were kind of like winging it. We had really good savings. Like my family was super supportive. So that was what... And we knew that going in. And that's what allowed us to make yeah. the leap. Once I had the contract offer from Action Network, that was the that was the catalyst. I have this offer. I can get X amount of dollars to leave my company and work for this other company. Now that's that's locked in. Now I, I have my like leaping platform, basically. I can go to the side hustle side and have locked in income that I know is going to be there. Now it was maybe 30 percent of what i was making at espn i mean this was a big drop but it i wouldn't have made it if i wasn't convinced that i was going to be really unhappy staying and i was going to be much happier leaving and that and that i would work as hard as possible to take that 30 percent and get it back to 100 percent as fast as possible
0: let's take a quick sip while we hear from our sponsor Tell me how you guys are juggling the day to day. I mean, (laughs) I don't know. If I if I find out, I'll let you know. Believe me. (laughs) Well, like I mean that that's that's a pretty. Your house isn't that large. Nope. Square Uh, footage is small. It's square footage is small. And now with Will, and he's moving now. I mean, he's just starting to stand. Uh, He's got the walker going. Yes. And like you were just saying, upstairs, two or three months, two months, he's gonna be walking big time and so like take me through a a monday wake up eight ten hours of the day how are you getting your work done how are you making your space so that you can actually deliver on these four hustles that you got going on it's uh i
1: mean it's a great question and i'm constantly trying to figure out a way to streamline the process time management like if i grew up with one principle for my parents i mean there were more than one principle obviously was passed down but the biggest one for my father was time management it was always this number one thing like even when i was 11 12 13 years old just hammering it into my brain like seven habits of highly effective people like all these kind of just you know staple textbooks about how to manage your time that that really kind of stayed with me for when i did this earlier in my life i didn't use that stuff whatsoever and now that i was in this situation i was finally drawing on it like oh this is actually going to be Really helpful to help me not go completely insane. And the funny thing about, you know, you mentioned the Average Monday. What's that like? The funny thing is Heather could actually be doing this podcast with me because she also works from home and she also has a crazy life. She also has multiple jobs going on at the same time. Between the two of us, I think we have like seven streams of income from a variety of sources. And we're both basically self-employed, if you want to look at it like that, almost like contractors, and somehow we both juggle those things and don't have daycare for the kids. We have the kids all day. It's just every day is completely different, right? It's So, uh, you know, I'll wake up in the morning and frequently I'll produce the television show, right? So Heather's up with the kids early, uh, you know, basically wakes up with – our son wakes up, uh, we hope, 6.45, 7, sometimes 6.15, and – She'll take them for, let's say, like an hour and a half, basically. Then I have to wake up and get ready, because normally I host the television show, too. I don't just produce it from our basement. And so i got to shower, i got to shave, i got to do all this stuff. So I wake up at like 8, 8.30, and I'm doing that stuff. She takes the kids out of the house. They don't see me. This is like a big component of how this all works, all right, is if care. Claire sees me, it's game over. <laughs> the day is ruined. And it's because she is exactly right, exactly. Mario game over music, basically. It's just, you know... You know, rut row, basically. If I, open it, if I open the door and it, we, there's even a, a modicum of eye contact, we're dead. We're dead for the morning. And it's just because she has still has this really strong attachment to me. But as long as I'm not, as long as I'm just this, you know, separate thing sleeping in the other room that she's not really thinking about... Heather can get Claire out of the house, no sweat, no problem, no temper tantrum. She sees me, it's like, Daddy, cling to the leg. Then if ten minutes later she has to leave and I have to go do the show, impossible. Absolutely just, I mean, just bloody murder, temper tantrum, throwing stuff. Like, not, couldn't be less interested in leaving, wants to stay with me. So Heather has to kind of sneak the kids out while I'm getting ready, basically. She's in the basement putting their coats on. I'm, like, shaving and eating breakfast upstairs. We have a two, like, a split-level two-floor house. And she has to get them out the door and I have to be quiet. And then once they're out the door, I basically sprint downstairs, 9.15, I have to log on. Uh, to start doing the show, she takes the kids out at nine. There's a very little wiggle room in there to like prep the show, get the microphone ready, get everything ready. So I'm just tearing through the office, just getting everything set up. And she has, I mean, in a way, the more difficult task, which is she has a two and a half year old and a one year old, and she has to keep them out of the house for two hours and occupied and can't come back because I'm doing the show. I mean, she could if there was an emergency or something, but you know, on a reasonable day, she's she's got the tougher chop, and I'm. I do the show, finish at lunchtime. She comes back for lunch. We have, we both have lunch with the kids. That's the slowest part of the day by a mile. Most people that are listening to this, you work nine to five or you have kind of crazier hours. You travel a lot, you know, uh, as far as a commute to and from work, the middle of the day is not most people's relaxing time of the day, right? It's, you know, you're probably grinding on projects and all that kind of stuff. You're meeting with people. This is our like nighttime. Okay. So we have the kids. And they're kind How of long like, did it take you to figure that out? Whew, man, it almost just happens organically because okay. it becomes a question of how many hours of the day are we do we have to do stuff and it's, okay, I have to produce the show in the morning. I have to do the radio show at night. I have Patreon due at X, Y, and Z. Heather has work she has to do at this time, calls at this time, when we would just put all that in a planner even. And we didn't yeah, do this yeah, exercise, yeah. but if you would visualize it like that, yes. the only window of time that would ever be open is like 11A to 3P, basically. Uh-huh. That would be the time that would be the most open. And even then, maybe she would have a call, maybe whatever. But that's the time that was consistently like, okay, we can keep the kids and hang out with them and they can take their naps and stuff like that
0: but it's better than 3 a.m coming in after yeah, I mean it's not even close like well and look yeah, what yeah. happens
1: during that four hours right it's not just the slow part of the day but you have the kids the entire four hours yeah, right? Yeah. so there's a big plot a big block of every part of every day where I get to spend time with both kids and it's not you know like the average uh experience of like the nine to five parents where you know like you got daycare you're coming home at dinner time there's a couple hours like I I, in a way, I lived that life worse. Like, I had to, I was working during dinner and bedtime. I yeah. didn't get to do bedtime, yeah. even. Like, you, you had a big edge over me, and when I was on that schedule, I'd be going to work at 3 p.m., and yeah. I'd be, you know, I'd go to bed at 6 in the morning. Like, how can I even get sleep with the kids being around and all that kind of stuff? And I just, you know, this is just so much healthier, and you get to see the kids a lot. So, that's our, the funny thing is, that's our slow chunk, and during that time, we have to feed the kids, put each of them down for a nap... And then I kind of am like in charge of them while Heather does all the work that she has to do. So she, that's her work window. That's her kind of just like. You know, maybe eleven to one is we're just having lunch, hanging out, relax. One to three, kids nap. I I'm responsible for them. She gets whatever work possible she can get done. So she's just you know relaxing down on her laptop, emails, whatever. That's kind of just her time to plug. Yeah. And uh, and it's but it's just crazy that that trade off because then at three, three and four, kids start waking up again, and we both work in jobs where. Okay, I can have a kid on my lap and take a phone call or whatever, but we can't do projects. Like I can't build an algorithm for you, something yeah, with Claire watching a cartoon. <laughs> like you I can't, can't, can't be do...
0: analytical or creatively right. think. You need that. You with need that, that time. time exactly. So here, that this is a good question. I, I mean, you guys didn't. It, you guys had one downstairs floor. Correct. We had like a, basically a big bonus room, a big a one, bonus room, room, and you had a long desk. Yep. and you had two chairs. with two, two computers. Yep. How on earth are you getting work done with two children? It was, Im- it was impossible.
1: Basically, it, was, uh, it would only be able to happen during the windows when they napped and when they slept at night. And the reason why I say the middle part of the day... So first of all, we finished off... We basically cut the room in thirds, like a two-third, one-third. One-third became my office. We just had a wall put up so that I have my own workspace now to do the shows and that kind of stuff. That'll help a little bit as the kids get older. Minimize, okay. Minimizes noise during the day when they can kind of do more self-play or they got programs they're going to or whatever. I can really kind of grind in there during the day, which I can't Did do right th- now. What,
0: did you come to the realization that you needed kind of your office your space or did this happen out of time, just time and um, I guess you can say a, a trial yeah sure
1: absolutely I mean I, I think you know It took a long time to figure out what the best case scenario was for when we should work, where we should work, how we should work, all those questions. And I think finally with me doing so much from home now, it really just became a question of where am I going to work and how do we create a space for that to happen? And we didn't have a space where that was going to be. So you needed a safe zone for Absolutely. And the kids needed their own safe zone, right? So what's happened now is I have my office now and now the kids, now we have a downstairs that's. You know, fully loaded. Basically, we got all the options. We got yeah. kitchen and mats, and we got a TV set up with a Chromecast in it with a cartoon. I mean, we got like, we bought a couch the other day, a Crate and Barrel. We're just populating the the downstairs. It becomes like <laughs> a real. It's like a, a legit play area now, and it's yeah. separated those two spaces. Previously, work and play were on top of each other, and now work is in the office and play is out here in this main room with all these different toys and stuff. So it's helped everybody. Everybody's process is a little bit better. And uh, and you know, I mentioned before. Okay, so the middle part of the day quote unquote the slow part. I mean slow for me used to be like binge a Netflix show and and drink a beer or something, and now slow part of the day is kids are sleeping for half of it and I'm just, you know, picking up the house, doing projects, whatever. Like that's the slow part. And I say that because nighttime is a blitz. Nighttime is that's really punch-in time. However tired you are having two kids all day and Heather and I splitting them, she takes them more on a lot of the weekdays. However tired we are, whenever dinner's over, and bath has happened and bedtimes have happened so let's say 7:30 at night eastern time there is a switch that has to get flipped on for both of us where that's really when we're punching in and punching in in order to do the serious grindy work that's a part of our job so for her that's building tech books and doing more complex payroll stuff and making you know phone calls if anybody's awake at that time i'm trying to really like build like the basis for a lot of like my handicapping is these spreadsheets and algorithms and stuff this is my time to build that stuff so we each have a process to to flip the switch right it's really important kids have gone to sleep to a certain extent we're just fatigued we've had the kids all day that's a full day and we've been working a little bit i've been producing in the morning she's taking them out in the car how do you flip the switch right that's like such an interesting thing to think about we each have a method uh, I will go for a drive immediately when the kids go to bed. Usually I'll go to Starbucks, get a coffee, but the, okay. the coffee itself is not as important as what the drive represents, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is we're transitioning from parent time to work time, and that's on the nights that I don't do the radio show. If I do the radio show, that drive occurs at like 4 or 5 p.m., and I go to the studio and do the radio show. Okay. So I still go get coffee. There's still the switch flip. Maybe I'll grab some dinner. Like it's just your, your whole mindset has to pivot from I'm worried about the kids this guy's napping, I gotta take Claire for a walk, I gotta do this, I gotta do that. All of that has to kind of get back burnered, and then coming to the front burner has to be the part of your brain that does your job that thinks about what's gonna be on the show tonight. What yeah. questions am I gonna ask the guests, all those things. So on the radio show night, it occurs a little earlier, and Heather takes the kids through until they go to bed. On the nights when I'm off, so two, I mean both weekend nights and then maybe two weeknights a week, it's 7:30, the switch has to flip. I go for the literally the kids go to bed. And then as fast as possible, I'm out the door in the car and going for the drive and she takes a shower. Those are our two pivot points <laughs> where it's she has her time. She showers. She, it's almost like finally she's waking up and getting ready for the day, right? It's like she's transitioning into work mode basically. And I go for a drive and kind of reset my brain. Okay, what do I need to do for this next three to four hours to be as effective as possible? And that's, you know, somehow we've been able to flip that switch and we will grind, man. We'll work 7.30 to, she goes to bed at 10, 11, I go to bed at 1 or 2, and we are, we are working that whole window. There's no, hey, like, let's chill with a you know glass of wine on the couch, watch yeah. a show. Like, that's not, you know, weekends, cool, a little bit different, but almost every night, so,
0: that's how we live. That, that, that leads to another, so, you being home all the time, mm-hmm. um, well, one, it just sounds like y- y- you get your time with the kids. You're, you're mm-hmm. actually a better father. Because I'm of, definitely
1: more in tune with like I know more about them definitely. yeah <laughs> which
0: yeah. It, you have more opportunity yep. and you're there I mean you're there to put them in bed you're there to for their naps you're there for lunchtime which not a lot of people get right exactly when when they are working right. but I you have you're juggling a lot oh, so yeah. how are you dealing with that stress it's uh it's
1: constant it's and I'm I'm actually someone who's kind of prone to anxiety anyway like I have a family history of anxiety and that's just I, it comes through in certain phases right like I if I don't fly on a plane for a long time I become deathly afraid of flying <laughs> so we go on a trip to Sanibel Florida every every winter and if I haven't flown for like nine months leading up to that trip the entire two weeks leading up to that plane flight I'll be thinking about the plane flight I just I like, can't help it it's just a thing and so for someone who has that in their almost genetic makeup and in their their background this kind of introduction of all these elements uh, took some getting used to, and we had to kind of we threw. The good news is it didn't happen all at once, right? It was, um, you know, you think about if you've ever seen the the you know the act of the you know there's like the Asian woman trying to keep all the plates spinning on all the yeah, pools yeah. or whatever. And what does she do first? Right, we start two, and then we get those right, and the crowds chanting, and we're clapping, whatever. Then we do the third one. It's like all right, now I think I can manage this. Okay, cool. Then we do the fourth one. We figure that out. That's what this was like. I had to do. I had to figure out two. When then I had to figure out three, four, five, which
0: was the kids. When the you jobs, need a timeout. What do you do? I mean, because there's times where like I know that I it's like all right, I just got to get out of the house.
1: Absolutely, oh, absolutely. And, For me, uh, it's
0: I, like I I gotta work out. Like, yep, I, that is exercise my, is a big thing. That is my thing. So like, is it? Is, so you said the drive. Yes, that is that's a it, huge thing. Yep. Light, light flips, but that's also like a release. That I don't yep. have kids. I don't have a schedule to hit right now. I you know like this sure. is my time. So in addition to the drive, what else are you doing? Like, are there times that you just gotta get out of the house and go for a walk or something? Yeah, absolutely. There's
1: so there are a few key staples of the routine. And this could be true for I mean, you know, even if you're a a mom with two kids and you're just trying to figure out how to keep it together during the day, right? Like how do I how do I do something that's that's me and not them? even just for 10 minutes or 15 minutes, right? So uh, the, the releases or whatever, you mentioned the switch flipping, which is the drive, and who would have thought just a generic 15-minute drive to Starbucks? Something, when I was 25, that was like, yeah, that wouldn't have anything it. to me. How can no I meaning. get someone to bring this Right, Starbucks exactly. To you. Well, now, yeah, exactly. With apps <laughs> nowadays, nobody's probably making the 15-minute drive to Starbucks. Just hit up DoorDash or whatever and have them bring it to you. The, uh, <laughs> so the drive is for sure one of those. That's like the nighttime uh, switch flip. Again, going to the radio show is a different kind of drive. That's the same thing. During the afternoon, the key... Key part of what I call the slow time, so that lunchtime early afternoon, uh, I'll take, so Will, uh, who's one, will wake up first from his nap almost every day. He is not as good of a sleeper as Claire is. Claire will sleep for two hours at a time. Claire does, you know, her hour. Uh, or her, the first hour of her two, Will does an hour, and then he wakes up. She's going to still be asleep for an hour. So I got to do something with Will for an hour while Heather's working. This is like the, the key part of the entire operation is that I have to do something with Will so Heather can work because otherwise Heather's going to get too backed up with work at night. Like you know again it just everything rests on the fact that i have to you know sort of have will for an hour here doing something productive i always take him for a walk and that's like uh. the longest walk possible i've started to do, <laughs> we've started to border on like 90 minutes hour 40 just him and the stroller now that it's nice out again and our, you know we're fortunate we live in a neighborhood with You know, a lake with basically a series of roads that goes around it. There's 20 side streets. There's all these kind of like paths. It's back in the woods. It's an easy place to map out a walk that takes forever. And I'll put him in that stroller and he's just woken up too. So he's in pretty good mood. We bring snacks, bottles, whatever. And we're going. And I'm listening to podcasts the whole way. So that's my release. He's calm the whole time. I used to do it with Claire. It was the same thing when we only had her. This window of time, I've tried to figure out a way to, okay, I have a kid that I'm responsible for during this window. But in addition to that, can I also make it some kind of stress release? Is that possible? And that's been almost the key to the entire operation. That's the only part of the day where I know I'm going to be outside. That's the only part of the day where I know I can listen to podcasts, which is, again, it's basically the equivalent of, like, reading books 30 years ago, right? That's your release at night before you go to bed. I do it in the afternoon, and it's podcasts. And, you know, that's... That's been in place for years. That's the part of the routine that's that's critical. And it has an exercise component to it, too, which is so important because that's just such a big part of, you know, yeah. wake up in the morning, you got to have that energy. you got to have that boost. And if you're not exercising, that's a tough one.
0: Well, listen, me trying to do – at, at one point, I tried to go off on my own just for design web services, and it was a six-month period. And, I mean, the the fact that, like, the routine – one, I, I couldn't separate um, eight hours versus a full day. Right. So I found myself working Saturdays and Sundays because sure. I was losing it. And then two, I want to get showered. That was like, I saw that as a trigger and that was like the number one thing. And you had said, you had yes. said, you're like, I get up, I get showered. Yep. Three, I thought it was going to work out so much and it just did not happen. Yeah. Because it was like, I got to do this, I got to sure. do that. And like... Trying to plug away with it. I think, last question I have for you, I'm not going to ask who you like for the tournament. That's okay. generic. <laughs> who's sure. my Who's my Cinderella? Who's oh, my Cinderella? Cinderella,
1: okay. So we're talking about, give me some parameters here. So we're talking about a team, give me like a seed range. Or are we talking about just like a, a double digit that's going to win a game that's fun?
0: A double or... digit that makes it a sweet 16.
1: Whew, okay. Uh, of the mid-major teams, and this is tough because we're taping this, these teams haven't even played their conference tournaments yet. If they lose... Then they won't. They, they won't. They won't make it because that's the that's the life of the mid major, right? So going out on a limb here, the best mid major that will be a twelve that if they make it will win a game is East Tennessee State. They play in a, in a conference called the SoCon. It's the Southern Conference. Uh, this is the conference that produced Wofford last year, who had kind of a fun run. Okay. They, won, they won their first round game against Seton Hall, lost to Kentucky in a really fun second round game. They had like a crazy three point shooter white guy last year named Fletcher McGee. Anyway, that conference produces frequently at the top end, like UNC Greensboro is in that conference too, they frequently produce tournament upsets. Really, the quality of play at the top end is extremely good.
0: Well, you just said it right there. You heard it here first at Pops <laughs> Point. East Eastern Tennessee State. Tennessee. East Tennessee State. So, so if they uh, make
1: it, if they make it, they will be a 12 probably. They would they would upset a lot of the fives. And, and, how my boys get in this uh, March Madness book again? Throw uh, it down so, patreon.com slash Lockie Lockerson. Not only Locky will you get uh, Lockerson. Locky Lockerson. So, spelled almost phonetically, Exactly. Again, run a Patreon search. You can follow me on Twitter at Lockie Lockerson. The, the link to the Patreon account is in there among all the other stuff I do. So East Tennessee State, that'll be. We'll put that on record. That's the uh, that's the upset. Most likely champion by a mile is Kansas. Uh, I'm very partial to Michigan State, so I think if you know, again, they won't be under the radar because they're Michigan State. But if you're looking for that team, seeded three, four, five, maybe you advance them. Uh, them or Maryland would probably be the teams that won't be one seeds at all. Won't be two seeds at all. That you maybe can see making a deep run. All
0: right, there you go, folks. Uh, Killing it at home and the brackets for us. Let's see how it goes. Welcome to March Madness. Thanks, brother. You appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. Corona.